Hello and welcome back to the Lopsided Free Podcast. This is your weekly debate of all of the biggest and best football stories, games and transfers and much, much more. As always, I'm your host, James Gray, and I'm joined by my two football-obsessed co-hosts, Mr James Arnold and Mr Thomas Hill. Boys, how are we both doing this evening? Yep, very good. Thank you. Had a day out in the sun and I'm ready now to kick back, relax and chat about some football. Top stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've pretty much done nothing all weekend, so you know. <laughs> Living the life. Watching the game earlier, that's about it. Yeah, that was a good game. Well, for moments, but yeah. Have plenty of time to prepare for this podcast then, James. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it would seem that way. Exactly. <laughs> well, listeners, if you didn't know already, we are recording on Sunday evening. We're recording on the 5th of September, to be precise. And this evening, we've got a bit of a different episode that we're recording. What should be a hopefully a good one for you to listen along to and engage with. We're, instead of doing our normal roundup of all the ongoings in the football world, we are doing our predictions episode this evening and predictions specifically for the Premier League. So we'll be covering our predicted league winners young player of the year and much much more and we'll also be covering who we think has had or won the trance window per se and we'll be each given a short time period to argue who we think that particular club was as always we would love for you to get involved and join the debate and you can do so by following us on our social medias you can find us on twitter using our twitter handle at lopsided free and you can also find us on facebook just by typing into the search bar the lopsided free podcast now that that is all out of the way as i say this should be a really fun episode to get involved with so let's get stuck right into it okay then i think there's probably as good a place to start as winners and top four so what i think will be a good way to do this is if we all go around and give our nominations for who we think are going to finish in the top four and who is also going to win the league so tom do you want to kick us off with your top four and title winners Okay, first of all, I'll just say I found this very difficult. Well, the top four picking as the four was very easy, but picking a winner I thought was very hard. So I've gone with my heart and I'm going with Liverpool to win the league. And then I've got them followed by Man City in second place, Chelsea in third place and Man United in fourth place. James, who are your top four selections as well as your league winner? So for winner, I've gone for Liverpool, like Tom. Second, I've gone for Chelsea. Third, I've gone for City. And fourth, I've gone for United. Just to explain those, I think Liverpool, with a fully fit team, should do the business, to be honest. I think they are the one, other than City, who have the most experience at competing at that level in the recent years. I also think City won't do it this year because I don't actually like their transfer business, to be honest. I don't think they've done enough. Chelsea probably have the most depth and arguably the best XI. So, like, it's odd that I'm not going for them but I just don't I, I don't know I don't think they'll do it personally and then Man United I just don't see them winning it under Oli I don't think they've got enough despite their strong summer transfer window I just can't see it personally Fair enough. Well, I mean, I'm going to be a bit more optimistic for Manchester United. I'm going to fly the flag for them. I've not predicted them as far to go as league winners. I've actually said that Chelsea will win the league this year, and I'm pretty confident on that front. My top four, I've then went with Manchester United finishing second, Man City third, and Liverpool fourth. So we've got a bit of disparity there between where we think Manchester United in particular are going to finish. I've gone for second. I see you have both went for fourth. Why? I mean, apart from Ole being the manager and sort of the lack of trophies that he's won in his managerial career why do you both think that Manchester United can't push any further than fourth Tom I'll come to you first on that one 
I think it's two factors. The first one, as you already mentioned, is Ole, who I don't think is a bad manager, but I think when you compare him to the esteem of Klopp, Guardiola and Tuchel, there is a drop-off there. And you can see that not in just the trophy cabinet. I mean, that's a bit unfair on Ole, given he's not been going that long, but also just the way he manages in-game. I think you can see a difference there. The other thing is, I think Manchester United in midfield, that kind of position where they've got Fred or McTominay or whoever it is, there is still a bit of quality missing there. And this, that's a kind of key piece of jigsaw that's missing I don't think either of the other three have a big missing pace I think you know, excluding major injuries I don't think Liverpool City or Chelsea have an obvious weakness so I think for me that's why I see United slightly weaker than the others but they do have a lot of match winning quality so it could come down to some of the individual matches between those teams James what about you why have you got United to finish fourth I think we've had this conversation in the last two episodes, to be honest, about the actual strengthening United needs to do. I think they've had a fantastic window. Don't get me wrong. Ronaldo speaks for itself. And then Varane and Sancho are both fantastic players. But I just think that CDM spot is the one place they really needed a player. I don't necessarily think the other two players or three players were weaknesses with who they had in the squad. But yeah, I think that is the missing link. And I don't see that weakness in any of the other three teams I've mentioned. And I think that's all it comes down to other than obviously as I've already said Ollie experience and winning trophies is not on the level of the other three is he can I put to both of you because you've obviously both said that Liverpool are gonna or you've predicted that Liverpool will win the league this season does it worry both of you at all obviously the issue they had last season was the lack of depth when injuries arose to the likes of Van Dijk and Henderson they've obviously only brought in Canate this summer does that worry you that there's a similar situation that could potentially arise and they may not have the squad depth to cope with it again I'd argue that they were particularly unlucky of injuries last year. I mean, someone like Matic could be a concern because he's very on and off of injuries. But Van Dijk in particular, that was a freak accident. I don't think the centre-backs generally had a kind who regularly get injured. And I think also what they went through last season as a whole squad should be quite useful in bringing some of the other players forward and becoming leaders. I think if you look at someone like Alexander-Arnold, I wouldn't necessarily call him a leader at Liverpool, but I think last Last season, he had to mature a lot. I think this season, with players like Henderson and Van Dijk coming back, they should have a little bit extra. I know you said you weren't impressed with the business they did in the summer, James, but are we being a bit too quick here to dismiss Man City's chances of winning the league again? None of us have got them to win the league. Are we being too quick to write them off already? Oh, 100%. Definitely. Without a doubt. Last season, I remember one of our friends saying City would win it about eight weeks in and they were something like 10th and everyone just sort of laughed at him. And obviously you see how they ended the season so fantastically well and just walked to victory, essentially. Yes, I do think there is a case for that to be made. I don't know. I, I think it is just personal opinion at the end of the day, isn't it? I don't see City winning it without that striker. Jesus has started the season fantastically well as well, but I think they needed that more than they needed Grealish. So I don't really understand why they've gone for Grealish ahead of like, and not even Kane, to be honest, just anyone that's a real focal point. No, fair enough. Fair answer. Tom, what about you? Are you writing off City or is it just one of those things you've just at this moment fancy Liverpool more than City to, oh, to win? Oh, yeah, I'm not writing them off at all. I mean, I could genuinely see any of the four winning it. I just see, I've pretty much put them in order of who I think is most likely and then least likely to win it. But I think for City, they've got a brilliant squad. I think Arnold said earlier, he thinks Chelsea have the best depth. I think City still probably have the best depth, especially in attack. I just think, I mean, the striker is an issue. I, yeah, I don't think they have 
have a reliable goal scorer in the way that Chelsea and probably Liverpool and certainly Man United with Ronaldo coming in do as well. I mean, they do share goals well, so it shouldn't be a major issue. But I think there's a fragility there still to City that's always been there. And I think this season's going to be a hell of a lot tighter than some of the other ones. I think this year, more than some of the previous years, it's going to come down to the head-to-heads between the top four. And I think we've seen in the last couple of seasons, City, particularly in matches against Chelsea last season, for example, can be fragile in those matches. I just want to say on this point, I think the strength in the league this season is quite evident. It's been an interesting window because every other league seems to be hit by COVID. And then the Premier League just seems to have avoided all that. And the signings of like some of the teams are just fantastic. I think Norwich even, they've had an incredible transfer window by their standards. So I think it is going to be that much harder to win the league this season. And it could definitely come down to beating the teams in and around you. So we've got two nominations for Liverpool, one nomination for Chelsea. We've obviously all put the same top four clubs to finish in the top four. I'm putting you both on the spot here, but if you had to choose a club who could maybe make a sort of Leicester-style charge for the league title, who do you think is best place to do that? Just give us a name. Tottenham. Oh, God. West Ham? (laughs) (laughs) Tottenham just have match-winning quality that the other teams outside of that four don't have. Yeah. No one going to say Arsenal? <laughs> no, no. We Look, we've, we've slandered Not them Not that enough. brave. Oh, is that, no. is that on the relegation bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're coming on to that very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Touching on it, our next topic to discuss is actually the three clubs we think are going to be relegated this season. James, I'll come to you first on this. Give us your relegated three. Tom, you can go next and we'll have a bit of discussion. Well, to be fair, Arsenal aren't actually on mine. <laughs> So mine are Newcastle, Watford and Southampton. I think Newcastle and Southampton are fairly similar reasons. Newcastle really haven't brought anyone in in the summer. They bought Joe Willock in, but I think they're essentially replacing a gap from last season. You know, he was there last season. They're not really improving, are they? And beyond that, they've really done nothing. I think they're a very fragile squad. They have a lot of players who have bad injury records, for instance, Wilson, Alan St. Maximan. And so I think they'll struggle. I think Southampton are a bit better than them in terms of their squad. Again, similarly with their summer, they're signing some more to replace players who have left and I don't think that's progress. I think the one thing Southampton have on their side is a manager who in my opinion should probably be at a top 10 side and then Watford. I think they're the most unstable of the three who came up and I'm more picking them because I think a team that comes up normally does tend to go down but actually I think of the three that have come up this season all have very strong sides and could definitely be one of the first seasons in a while where none of the newly promoted teams get relegated. All plausible shouts. Tom, who have you gone for? Okay, so I have two overlapping with Arnold. I also have Southampton and Watford. They're my, if I'm going to order them, I'd say Watford will be bottom. I think Southampton will be second bottom. And then I have Burnley as my other one. I just think they're one of those teams who haven't really added much year on year. I just think that does catch up with you eventually. I don't really look at their side and see much that impresses me beyond Chris Wood, who I really like. So yeah, I think it could be one season too many maybe for them. Does the Sean Dyche factor not come into it for you and almost feel the safety net around Burnley just because he's at the club? I, I don't know. For me anyway, I feel like until he leaves, I'm never going to feel confident to say Burnley and kind of go down. Maybe. I mean, he certainly has a way of going about things. But I think you arguably could have said the same about Tony Pulis years ago and eventually time ran out with him. Yeah, I was going to say a similar thing, to be fair. Obviously, Sam Allardyce had a fantastic relegation record until last season. I know he joined with a bit of a poison chalice, so to speak. But obviously, like those records only last so long. 
Again, very plausible point. I mean, just to round things off in nominations, all three of us, I've gone for Watford as well. I think we're all pretty confident that they are probably going to go down. I think there'll be a lot of people's choice probably out of the promoted three, as James was saying, to go down this year when you do sort of compare the squads of those three clubs. I've also opted for Newcastle with James. And I'm the only one, I'm sorry to say it, Tom, I'm the only person that put Norwich in their bottom three to go down. I'm interested to know, why didn't you two go for Norwich? I know, Tom, you've got your allegiances, but you've obviously seen the business they've done this summer you're obviously confident with their chances of staying up it's a little bit of a heart and head kind of balance there I mean I certainly expect them to be in amongst it but I don't know I think compared to the other sides that I picked I think they maybe have a little bit more quality in certain areas thinking maybe Gilmore in midfield and Pookie up front I think compared to some of those teams there's maybe just a tiny bit more quality in areas and I think they will have learned a lot from the last time they've gone down it's a pretty similar team to the one that went down last time just with a couple of extra additions so they might just have that experience to do it this time and same question to you James why were you so confident of not putting Norwich in your bottom three to be relegated I just think the business they've done has been really mature. Some of the signings they've made are beyond what I thought were possible for Norwich. I think they play the right style of football under Fark as well. And I just think they'll have enough. That being said, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they will go down. Obviously, they've got the smallest budget in the league by quite some distance. So yeah, I don't know. It's just a feeling, I guess. All right. Our next category is Player of the Year. And I imagine this is all probably going to be interlinked with who we predicted to win the league as well. So I'll take the lead on this one. As I predicted Chelsea to win the league, I said my player of the year is going to be N'Golo Kante. It's always a difficult one to try and work out across a full season who's going to be sort of the shining light in that team as such but I think Kante's quite a reliable figure to kind of put your money on to be that man. He's obviously had a great career to this point. He's won the World Cup. He's won the Champions League. Won two Premier League titles as well and I just think yeah safe bet. If Chelsea are going to do well this year they're going to need Kante to perform well on a regular basis and I think it was a tough call maybe between him and Jorginho but I think for me N'Golo Kante just about edges it. What about you, Tom? Who have you said is going to be your player of the year? Well, I am torn between two players. One of them is a kind of obvious shout, especially based on one of my picks later on, which is Romelu Lukaku. I think if he is to win top scorer, and if Chelsea are to overperform what I predicted for them, he seems like an obvious pick, especially if Chelsea were to go on and win the league. But uh, going alongside the predictions I've already made, I think it could well be Virgil van Dijk. Now, I know the kind of novelty of centre-backs winning it is a little bit worn off after he won it a couple of years ago and I can't remember if Ruben Diaz did win it last year but he was certainly in contention so the novelty of that's probably wearing off a bit but I just think it's so obvious how important he is to them it will be even more strikingly obvious than usual with him coming back this year having missed almost all of last season and I think as well I mean someone like Ruben Diaz is an absolutely excellent player he helps to organise Man City and he's an excellent one-on-one defender but I think with Van Dijk you've also got he's so important to the way Liverpool are I think that's going to be, again, with him coming back this year, that's going to be so obvious to see how he's important in every single aspect of what they do. If Liverpool are to win the league, I would not be surprised if he wins player of the year. I agree. I think if Liverpool are going to have a good season and they're going to make a title success out of it, Virgil van Dijk is 100% going to be at the heart of that. James, who have you gone for as your player of the year? 
Well, I thought this was by far the most difficult category to pick, to be honest. I think there is an argument that between 15 and 20 players could be competing for this award, which I think is quite unusual because I think normally there's one or two stand-up players and then a few tertiary performers, I suppose. I think I've played it very safe as well, like the two of you, but in a different way in that I've gone for Mo Salah. I think he's been arguably the most consistent performer in the Premier League since he's arrived, maybe with an exception of De Bruyne, but like he doesn't get the same attacking return as De Bruyne so he's always a bit underlooked for an award like this he has obviously won it I believe but yeah I just think Salah will have the form and I sort of had to double down with Liverpool where I've said them to win the league so yeah Fair enough. I think three very good shouts for player of the year. Obviously, as we've said, it's it's a difficult award to predict at this moment in time because there is just that many games left to be played, that much for the season left to go. But maybe you've heard it here first, folks. Maybe one of these players will be player of the year. You'll have to wait and see and come back and listen to this episode in nine months' time. All right, sticking with the topic of player of the year, we're now going to move on to young player of the year. James, I'll come back to you for this one. You can hit us off with who you think is going to be your young player of the year. Well, would you believe it? I've tripled down. (laughs) (laughs) Surely not. (laughs) No. So I think just because he probably is the best young player in the Premier League, I've gone for Trent Alexander-Arnold. However, once again, I think this is such a difficult award to pick because I think there's so many good talents coming to the fore at the moment. Certainly like Greenwood, another player, Sancho, has obviously just signed and has fantastic talent. He's not had the opportunity yet, but like when he gets going, he could be something so special. Even as quite a niche shout, Harvey. Elliot started the season well for Liverpool but I just think Trent he does so much more than the others at the moment and I know I've discounted some players like Foden and that but I just you know it's just opinion isn't it Exactly. I mean, Arsenal fans will probably be screaming Emil Smith Rowe, Bakayo Saka, but. Yeah, but they don't know much, do they? <laughs> <laughs> We're just alienating more Arsenal fans week by week on this podcast. Do we want Arsenal fans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, we do. We, we, we hate <laughs> yeah. everyone here. <laughs> We're, not, We're not biased at all on this podcast, honestly. <laughs> uh, Tom, who have you gone for as your young player of the year? So I kind of shirked out with a Chelsea player for my player of the year, going for Van Dijk over Lukaku, but I'm going to go for a Chelsea player this time. I'm going to go for Kai Havertz. I think a lot was built of him, obviously, when he joined Chelsea for, I think it was up to 85 million or something like that last summer. And it kind of took a while to get going. But I think towards the end of last season, you did start to see just how good he is. And I think he started this campaign off very well too. I think it's obvious the quality that he has. And he seems to have pretty much nailed down a starting berth and there's Chelsea team too I think if Chelsea are going to win the league Lukaku's obviously going to be the main man up top but I think they're going to be very reliant as well on Havertz to have a big attacking impact for them and yeah I can I can see him doing it I think he has pretty much everything a forward needs to succeed in the Premier League he's good off both feet he's got technical quality he's got the physicality for it he's a tall guy when headers I think yeah I think he's got everything he needs to succeed I think that's a very interesting shout because if Chelsea, well, regardless of whether they win the league or if they have a successful season without finishing top, I think you've got a good mixture of young players competing, certainly for that young player of the season award in the sense of you've got Kai Havertz, as you've mentioned there. Mason Mount is probably the next obvious one to sort of say who he'd be in competition with. But maybe if you're looking for a more sort of out there shout, you've got someone like Reese James, or maybe if he can get the game time, someone like Christian Pulisic as well. So there's plenty of competition coming from his own club for that particular accolade. 
completing the mix, I have also gone for a player, not one from Chelsea or from Liverpool. I've actually backed Manchester United shot. I have went for Mason Greenwood and ignoring recency bias, obviously he's had a great start to the season, scoring three goals in his first three games. I don't know what it is. I just get this sense that this season could potentially be his year to really make a mark and not only cement his place in Manchester United's team, which is obviously going to be more difficult, more competitive now with the additions that have been made this summer, but also potentially an England squad as well. I think give it time, I think he could quite easily become one of England and Manchester United's most key and pivotal players. And for me, yeah, I just, I get the sense, I get the feeling that this year could be his year to make his own. I don't know what you guys think about that at all. To be fair, I think he really pushed on in his career at the end of last season. I think he had quite a few goals at the end of it. And yeah, I do think he looks like the real deal. I guess the question is whether he gets the game time. I know he has at the start, but like with Ronaldo signing and Sancho also coming in, it's going to be hard to make a case for him to start every week, I guess. And then also there's the question mark over where he plays because wing or striker. Ideally, I would want to see him up front in the next few years because I think that's what he's been billed as. But equally, he's as good on the wing. So it is almost one of those awkward places where because someone doesn't have a set position they might lose out if that makes sense I think he could have a real opportunity this year because of the injury problems for Marcus Rashford. Obviously, Ronaldo's come in, but I'd imagine he's probably displacing Cavani, who himself has been a little bit off with fitness at the start of the season. I would imagine right now, especially with the form, Greenwood surely solidified his right wing berth for at least the coming games. And as long as he keeps up that form, I really don't see why he should be going anywhere. I think he's a very good shout for young player of the year. And as a fellow Englishman, it'd be quite nice for that to happen, really. Have either of you got any sort of out there shouts for who could potentially be a bit of a dark horse in this particular category? God, you're really throwing up the curveballs this week, aren't you? I know. Well, uh, I think sorry, he's not one that I meant. He's not. He's not one that I mentioned. But I know you mentioned Arnold earlier, Harvey Elliott. I mean, I think that's a pretty out there shout. But you never know. If he gets the game time, a bit like Greenwood, it's going to come down to that. Really, he certainly offers something different to Liverpool that not many others in that squad do. So if he can find a niche for himself, I know at a point last season, Curtis Jones was given a lot of game time because he was offering something slightly different. So I mean, that did kind of fade away later on in the season. But if Harvey can have the same kind of form he might well be able to find a niche in that team even if he's not starting every week there's going to be rotation he might well be able to find some decent game time absolutely we will have to wait and see all right next category top goal scorer be interesting to hear who we've all gone for here james do you want to kick us off I'm fairly sure we're going to have gone for the same player, to be honest, but I would be surprised if not. I've gone for Lukaku. I think he's got great form in Syria, and he's obviously shown his scoring form before in the Premier League. I think we touched on it last week as well, that he looks back to his normal self, and he's also added assists to his game. I think he's just a fantastic all-round player, to be honest, nowadays. And I think I think it shows that he's been like shoehorned into the Chelsea team already, how good he is, because I think there was a tendency to switch around last season with Tuchel's teams, but it seems like he is already a stalwart of this Chelsea team but yeah I just I can't see beyond Lukaku I know Cristiano Ronaldo obviously has that quality but I think maybe it's just a year too late for him yeah valid points and good shout I think you're probably on to it when you say that we're all going to say Lukaku I have also put Lukaku down as top goal scorer really just repeating everything you've just gone over there I think he's out there as one of the outstanding goal scorers in the league centre forwards and it, it should be interesting to see if anyone can match him this year shall we say Tom who have you <laughs> went for as your selection for the top well, goal scorer sorry to be boring but I also have gone for Lukaku that being said I think this is another 
one of the ones I said with the title winners, I really couldn't pick. And I think this is another one. Lukaku's the one I'd go for at a push, but I think Salah, Ronaldo and Kane have all got to be in the mix as well. I think what's also interesting is, I think we talked earlier in the season about Kane, obviously he hasn't particularly been involved yet, but I think now when there's ever, he's obviously going to come back into the team and probably play regularly. I don't think anyone's got off to a blinding start in terms of goal scoring. So I don't think, I mean, obviously Lukaku's then just come in, Ronaldo hasn't played yet. Salah hasn't been banging in goals left, right and centre. Mason Greenwood. Yeah, Kane hasn't played a lot. So like, I don't think those guys are necessarily playing catch up compared to one of the other ones. I do think with Lukaku, he is kind of the main focal point. Probably more so than, well, apart from Harry Kane, more so than some of those others will be. So I think that's why I'd probably go for him at a push. And there we go. Three nominations for Lukaku. I think it's fair to say we're all pretty confident he's going to finish on top of that particular goal-scoring chart. Okay, next category we're going to move on to is our one to watch category. So this is a player, not necessarily who we think is going to be young player of the year, but we think is someone that fans should be keeping an eye on, who we think could potentially cause a shock or two and have a bit of a breakout year as such. So Tom, I'm going to come to you first for this one. Who is your player to watch this season? Well, I spent a long time pondering this question and in the end of the day, I decided to look close to home. I think it really depends on what you define as breakthrough, but I think he probably would count as this. I'm going to go with Billy Gilmore. He obviously has featured sporadically for Chelsea last season, both in the Premier League and the Champions League, but he never really got a consistent run of games. I think it's quite clear that is going to happen at Norwich this season. I think if you look at what at the level he's performed for Chelsea, as I say, in the Premier League and the Champions League, I was very impressed for him playing for Scotland in the Euros as well. I think he's shown he can do it at this level in one-off games. I think this year it's going to be about consistency in a team that doesn't dominate games in the same way that Chelsea do. But I think he could be absolutely fantastic this season and I think make a real push for trying to get into Chelsea's starting eleven next season. So for me, I think, yeah, he's the one to watch. Very good shout. Certainly, as you say, if Norwich are to stay up, I think he will be one of the standout players for them this season. James, who have you gone for as your one to watch? I was sort of torn between two players, to be honest, for different reasons. But those players are Francisco Trincao and Dan James. Trincao was obviously a part of the Barcelona squad last season, played like 28 games, something like that, which is obviously quite impressive for a player of his age. I think he's only 21. So I think he is a player with some class and therefore I can see why Wolves have gone for him. I think it could be a breakout season for him this year. Maybe young player of the season, who knows? But yeah, I think he's got some class to him and I hope he does well. It could be a good season for him. As far as Dan James is concerned, obviously he's a player that Bielsa has wanted for a few seasons now. I think they were heavily linked with him when he made the move from Swansea to Manchester United. He's got some good attributes to be able to succeed obviously like his pace being at the fore of his ability but I just don't think that Bielsa would have gone for him if he didn't see something in him and I think under Bielsa we've obviously heard some of the stories of like Calvin Phillips who's been coached to almost a level above what he should be playing for I know he's a fantastic player now but he said it himself he feels like he probably shouldn't be at this level if, if that makes sense I just think Dan James has the potential to be another one of those stories personally 
Two very good shouts, and I actually agree with one of yours. My one to watch is Francisco Trincao as well. I mean, again, completely agree with all the points you made. Just to kind of add a bit more to it, he obviously joined Barca for 31 million euros the previous summer. They actually inserted a buyout clause of 500 million euros into him, which obviously speaks a lot about how highly they rate or rated him. He's obviously joined Wolves this season on season-long loan with an obligation to buy. I do wonder how much of that move came about because of Barcelona his own financial position at this moment in time. I think in the clips and the games that I've been able to see of him already in the Premier League I think if he can adjust to the intensity adjust to the speed I think he could be a really interesting and exciting player outside of that sort of top six, top eight teams this year. It could be a really interesting move for both Wolves and the Premier League. Have either of you again got any sort of notable mentions for who could be ones to watch this year? The other one for me would probably be, sorry to toot the Norwich on again, but Emi Buendia. I think with Jack Grealish leaving Aston Villa for Man City, Buendia looks like the obvious replacement. I think we talked about this in our Villa segment of another podcast. But I think obviously they've made a lot of signings, so it's not all going to be on him, but he does seem like the most direct replacement. I think he was fantastic when he was in the Premier League last with Norwich. Then he's now part of the Argentina squad. So I think what Villa do well could go through him a lot this season. All right, we're now moving on to what I think is going to be the funnest segment of today's podcast. It is who we think club-wise won the transfer window this summer. And this again is a Premier League club that we're selecting here. And what we're going to do is we're going to give each of us a minute to essentially argue why we think that club won the transfer window this summer. So who wants to go first? Tom? Oh, it's a lot of pressure, but I'll accept the mantle. Look, I'll give you the countdown and you've got a minute to argue your club's case. Who have you actually gone for before? I've gone for Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Okay. You have a minute to argue Crystal Palace's case starting from now. Okay, so with winning the transfer window, I wanted a team who had fulfilled all the areas in their squad that needed developing and that hadn't, you know, lost a key part. So I didn't want to go for Man United because I feel like midfield, they haven't strengthened enough. I didn't want to go for someone like Villa because they've lost such a key part in Grealish. I think with Palace, they've lost some key players in defence like Gary Cahill, but they've improved on that, in my opinion, with players like Anderson and Gray coming in. I think in midfield, with players like Elise and Gallagher, they've added real quality for relatively low price. I think with Edouard coming in up front late in the window, that's a top quality addition for them where I think they're really lacking elsewhere. No, sorry, where they were really lacking beforehand. So for me, I think they've led a a one team who's added quantity and quality for good prices and haven't really lost any strength from outgoings. Okay, sorry. I was just doing some horrendous hand gestures there to demonstrate five seconds were left and it went (laughs) horrendously. So yeah. Okay, very good argument. I like that. Yeah, very good argument. We'll see if we can make that a regular or weekly segment. In some, <laughs> we'll put in people some on the sense. spot. Yeah. I've just realised I'm not going to be able to make a mistake and that has just thrown me off a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Just brush over it. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake. All right, we'll go on to you next then, James. Who have you gone for? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is the best episode so far by by <laughs> country. <laughs> your laugh. You laughed so much, Tom, and then your laugh just. <laughs> 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 oh, honestly, I I don't think we need to cut it. I think this is great. <laughs> I think this bit's just really wholesome. It just sums up the podcast. <laughs> oh dear. 
Oh dear. I'm not going to be able to compose myself for a minute now. <laughs> Should we take a five minute break? <laughs> uh, no, I, I've got to be in bed soon, guys. Come on. Uh, right. All right then, let's do it. So James, who have you went for as your club that's won the transfer window? It's maybe a bit obvious, but I've gone for Chelsea. All right, you've got a minute to argue Chelsea's case. Your minute starts now. So I was looking around the teams and similar to Tom, I think a lot of teams didn't strengthen in the ways that they needed to. And then beyond that, some of the losses to teams were too big to then argue they've actually had a great window, I suppose. So like Villa, Grealish going is obviously massive. And then they have had a good window in terms of incomings, but like, do they replace Grealish? Probably not. Chelsea, I think, have had a really good transfer window, personally. They've strengthened in all the areas I think they needed to. Maybe they could have got a central defender, but I think they've actually got enough quality there. And with Chalaba coming through now, they do have a very good team. Sao Niguez on loan, very good signing. I was a bit surprised at this. I know he's been linked with a few other clubs. It came a bit out of the blue, to be honest. Um, seconds and then Lukaku obviously is a no-brainer to be fair oh, I thought I, I thought I had way longer a minute goes by quickly honestly yeah yeah you don't have as long as you think you do I saw it on another podcast I thought it'd be a great segment to introduce but yeah maybe if we make it a weekly thing we can get better practice yeah it. definitely definitely <laughs> Does anyone want to time me or shall I just time myself? Uh, I'll t- I think it's better if someone else times you because then you don't have that that not knowing. Okay, can do. Yeah. So my team that I think won the trance window is Manchester United. Shock, horror. Right, it- we'll go from now. Three, two. So Manchester United, my metric for this is simply, has a team come out of the other end of the trance window stronger for it or better for it than what they started with. And Manchester United is a no-brainer. They have done. They added Jadon Sancho, Rafael Varane, Cristiano Ronaldo, all for a combined £125 million, we're led to believe. Personally, I just think the three additions, yes, we could have potentially added someone else in midfield. But for me, the three additions are brilliant. You look at the value for money we got for Varane, £36 million. When you compare that to other centre-backs that have moved this summer, Ben White, £50 million. Kurt Zuma moved to West Ham for £35 million. I think it just sums up the value for money we got for him. Cristiano Ronaldo, people can say, about his age when Cristiano Ronaldo is available you sign Cristiano Ronaldo he scored 31 league goals this last season he might be the difference I'll leave it at that seconds to swear unlike the other two of us (laughs) (laughs) there we go at least one of us got the hang of it (laughs) like you've done podcasts before (laughs) surely surely not All right, that is the end of our predictions. Hopefully, some of the listeners will agree with (laughs) a few of our selections. As I said at the start of the episode, if you want to get involved in the discussion, please do on our social medias. We would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on what we've all said today. Obviously, at the moment, we've got a bit of a break from Premier League football. We're in the middle of an international break. England have played twice so far. They played this evening against Andorra, 1-4-0. They repeated that scoreline on Thursday, just gone against Hungary. What have you guys, what have your impressions been of England coming back in this first international window, obviously since the European Championships? I think the Andorra one, you can't really read a lot into for obvious reasons. The Hungary one, I thought first half, we are pretty slow. Didn't really do a hell of a lot. But I did like us in the second half. I think a few of the goals were a bit soft. I think there's no getting around that. But I think the way we moved the ball about was very refreshing to see. I know Hungary was sitting back quite negatively, but I think we were very much on the front foot and we did start to move the ball a lot quicker in a way that we are very guilty of not doing at times. So I think it's been a promising start going again after the Euros. 
So I'm going to be honest, I completely forgot that the Hungary game was on <laughs> and missed that one. <laughs> Bigger fish to fry, I guess. But no, I, w- I did watch the Andorra game today, mainly because you guys reminded me that it was on, to be fair. And yeah, I, I thought it's just pretty standard, isn't it? Qualification football. We're never amazing, we're never bad, but it is what it is, I guess. I do want to bring the Alexander-Arnold central mid position into debate. I don't know what you guys thought on this, but a really interesting move by Southgate, in my opinion. I thought he started quite poorly in the sense that he almost looked like he didn't know the role and tended to drift out to that right back position. But I thought actually half an hour in, he sort of was making the right movements. He was almost a free eight in the sense that sometimes he was appearing in line with Bamford. Other times he was still going out right a bit more. But sometimes he was like tucking in. And actually, I think it was an interesting decision, but potentially one that could be used again. It's a tough one because, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I didn't watch the first half. I only watched the second half. But I think the trouble again, I already mentioned it with the Andorra, Andorra match, but it's can you really read into it too much? I mean, it's good to kind of get used to the position and just the general movements and where you need to be and what have you. But how does that work when you're instigating a press against a top class midfield? How does it work when teams are, playing through the lines of quick and intricate passing you know how well do you actually work in combination with the other midfielders and the other units of the team I think that's kind of the real question it's difficult because you don't want to throw them in in an important game but also how do you kind of work it out without doing so I agree with you, Tom. In terms of opposition, there's probably no more ideal a game to sort of have this experiment, if you will, of playing Alexander-Arnold in the middle of the park. But at the same time, can you really gauge too much of it, regardless of how well or how badly he did from the game? I, I actually found it quite interesting that, because this is a debate that a couple of people have had for a while now, of whether his long-term future lies in midfield. I, I find it interesting that Southgate, rather than Klopp, is the first person to have tried this. I don't know if Liverpool have done it in any of their pre-season over the last year or two but to my knowledge this is the first time he's actually been tried in this position so whether Jurgen Klopp even would take anything from this and look at it as something longer term that he could implement at Liverpool it'd be interesting to know his thoughts on that. I'd have thought Liverpool have a lot less options at right back than England do and Trent's also a lot more important to that Liverpool side than he is to the England side when he plays so it's probably why Mm. Southgate's gone for it first I'd have thought Yeah I'm not going to lie that's exactly what I was thinking there's so many options in right back for England Definitely. Good point, actually. We obviously saw Patrick Bamford called up to the England squad for the first time in this international window. Was there anyone that you boys were particularly keen on seeing getting a first call up or maybe getting a recall after a certain period out of the England team? Mason Greenwood probably would be the one. I don't think there's anyone off the top of my head who hasn't been called up by Southgate yet who I'd have been really wanting to be. But yeah, Mason Greenwood's the one who probably should be getting a call up soon. Yeah, I think that's a tough one. Maybe Danny Ng, someone like that. But again, like I think all the players that are getting picked are getting picked on pedigree and form. And I don't think there's really many challenging for those positions at this moment in time. (coughs) I was going to say Danny Ings potentially as a, as a shout. be interesting to see longer term whether Bamford does stay in the squads when you obviously, depending on how the season goes, whether a Danny Ings, a Callum Wilson maybe, Marcus Rashford obviously coming back from injury, whether he can rediscover his form, it we'll have to wait and see. All right, that will probably do us for tonight's episode of the Lot Sided Free podcast. As I said, I hope you the listeners enjoyed hearing some of our predictions for who we think are going to do well this season, who's going to win particular categories. As always, 
always, if you want to join the debate, please do so on our social medias. We will be back next week for another episode of the Lopsided Free Podcast. We'll be reviewing next weekend's matches and reviewing any and all big stories that break across the week. Thank you for listening as always, and we will speak to you next week. Until then, bye. Bye. Bye.